Hey folks, just a reminder that I've got a Patreon page set up to support the podcast. Go to www.patreon.com slash heylagrange to check it out and show some love. Thanks. Hey LaGrange is partnering with the 2020 Azalea Storytelling Festival. This will result in interviews with select storytellers and possible live content from the festival itself. It's an exciting time to be a Hey LaGrange fan. Hey LaGrange, I'm Earl Gordon Barnett, and you're listening to Hey LaGrange, the podcast of LaGrange, Georgia, where we seek to explore the people and stories of the sleepy southern community and hope to show that it's not so sleepy after all. Like I said before, I'm Earl Barnett, and I first moved to LaGrange in 2010. My wife and I bought a house to split the difference between her commute to work as a art teacher in Harris County and my commute to Emory University for a second master's program. I've worked as a high school history teacher on two separate occasions. I've worked as a higher ed philosophy instructor. I'm a hobbyist photographer. I'm a brain cancer survivor. I'm a pro wrestling aficionado. I'm a craft beer advocate. I'm a father to two small children, Alistair and Auden. And I'm a podcast host. This podcast currently is what I fill my time with. It's my passion. I considered myself exiled in the Grange for a long time. And sometimes, if I'm being honest, I still do. This podcast is my seeking to make LaGrange my home and not just the place I keep my stuff. Through the interviews, I hope that not only will you, the listener, get to hear the stories of people at LaGrange, but that also, with each episode, I will grow a deeper connection and attachment to the community. Well, that's the hope anyways. Thanks for listening to our conversations and joining us as we travel to a, towards a mutual place of asylum here in LaGrange. This week's interview is an extension of my partnership with LaGrange's 24th annual Isaiah Starring Telling Festival. I interviewed singer and storyteller Michael Randall Harrell from Western North Carolina in town for the ASF. The interview took place on Monday night before his concert at Pure Life Studios. The interview itself was lighthearted and funny. He did pan a lot of jokes I didn't realize until I was editing. Regardless, it was a fun interview. I tried to keep it short to respect his time setting up. Because of that, though, I've included a song from the concert at the end of the podcast, after the break. So without ado, here's the interview. Okay, I'm here with Michael Reno Harrell, correct? That's it. All right. We're doing a podcast to introduce the Azalea Storytelling Festival, and he's about to do a performance here at the um, Pure Life Studio, correct? Correct. Awesome. So... Tell me a bit about yourself. A bit about myself. Well, I'm from uh, Western North Carolina. It's where I make my home. My wife uh, and I live there and travel all over America singing songs that I write and telling stories that I come up with. So (laughs) it's a pretty good life. We get to travel all over America, meet some of the most wonderful people in the world. We see everything we ever wanted to see, and we're never tourists because people take us into their homes and show us all the cool stuff. It's great. That's fantastic. It is. What's some of the best things you saw? Some of the best things I've seen? Oh, goodness. Well, I've seen the Redwoods in California, and I've seen uh, the skyscrapers in New York City, and I've been on the beaches in Florida, and I've eaten barbecue in Texas. We could go on and on and on. (laughs) And I've seen the azaleas here. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, 
so assuming that you, LaGrange is out of the question, what's the favorite place you've been to so far? Oh, goodness, I don't know. That's, that's so hard to answer. It depends on the day, I guess, what answer you would get. Um, you know, America, I find America's beautiful everywhere except where people have screwed it up, you know? Okay. Uh, I love the mountains. I love the ocean. I just, you know, I, again, one of the main reasons that, that I elected to do this as a young man was I wanted to see America. Uh, you know, I read Jack Kerouac and that was it. I wanted to do that. I wanted to be on the road. And I've been on the road since 1963. Wow. Uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, this is back during the folk scare of the early 60s, uh, that's when I, I had decided I was going to be a jazz drummer. And growing up in the Appalachian Mountains, there weren't a whole lot of jazz going on, you know. <laughs> but I heard the Kingston Trio years and years and years ago, and I thought, that's what I'm going to do. And so I traded my snare drum for a guitar. And folk music, as I said, was big at that time. And where I was living in East Tennessee, where I grew up, uh, there was a folk trio called the Green Mountain Trio, and they were three years older than I. And uh, one of the guys, when they graduated high school, when I became a sophomore, they had graduated. One of the guys went to college, and the other two were going to pursue the music business and stay in that. And so they had an audition to fill the third slot, and me, as a high school sophomore, just barely, uh, auditioned thinking there's no chance I could get this, but I did because I had learned to finger pick the guitar and they hired me and so from the time I was a sophomore I was on the road on weekends and all summer traveling around playing music and seeing America and it was wow. great and I've been doing that pretty much ever since. So how long have you been doing it? Well since 1963, that's over 10 years isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, 50. Fifty-some years. Yeah, fifty-seven years. Wow. it's a lot, isn't it? A little bit. I should be better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, what led you to want to become a storyteller? Well, uh, a lot, you know, Bob Dylan sort of kicked that door open. When I first, you know, when folk music sort of first, uh, the Kingston Trio put it up, Tom Dooley in 1958, and by the the, the mids, by 61, I was in junior high and I was getting interested in that. And when I found out that, that girls like guitars, I, be, you know, I started working on that. And then Bob Dylan came along. And before that, you sort of had, it sort of had to be a real folk song. Had to be, you know, had to gone through the folk process, you know. You, maybe you didn't even know who wrote it. It was so old, you know. Mm -hmm. But when Bob Dylan came along, he proved that you could write your own songs in the folk music world. And then everybody started writing songs. And so I thought, that's what I need to do. So I started trying to write songs and trying to write songs. And I carried a little notebook around with me forever till it wore out and the, the song didn't appear in it somehow. And finally I got a song that was okay. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. And so then in, after I got out of high school and the folk music world sort of, that sort of died when the Beatles came. And so I started playing in seafood restaurants and bars and all those places, you know, where they had music. And I would try to sing my songs and people would go, hey, play something we like. Play something we know, you know, what was on the jukebox there beside me. You know? I gotcha. 
So I thought, well, maybe if I tell people a story about my song, they'd be more interested in hearing the song. And so that went on for a long time, and I sort of started talking more and more and telling more stories about the songs. People seemed interested in that. It's sort of in our DNA to listen to stories anyway, you know. So I got to a point to where my introductions were longer than my songs, and a friend of mine who was a storyteller said, you ought to be a storyteller. And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. And he said, well, your introductions are longer than your songs. I'd say you're a storyteller. So that's how I became a storyteller. So now what I do is I write a song about something I know about or something I'm interested in or something I've experienced. I write the song first because I've been a songwriter longer than a storyteller. So then I go back and construct the story to sort of fit the song. So... You know, I take things, uh, stories about people I've known in my life, places I've been, events that I've been witnessed or heard about, and I write the song first, and that sort of condenses every, all the information down, and then I can take that and expand it and make the story. So all my stories end with a song. Okay. Yeah. That's a very interesting process and very cool. Well, it's, I don't know, it's maybe kind of unique. Most people work the other way. They would write a story and then write a song about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There aren't that many of us who play music in the storytelling world, although they're becoming more and more. Three of us here at the festival this weekend use music in our storytelling. So, yeah, it's getting, it's getting to be more of an accepted way of doing it. Well, that's fantastic. So what advice... Would you give somebody wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Well, the first piece of advice I would give them is, you know, hone your craft, of course. Uh, and you can do that by... It, the, the way that you hone your craft as a performer is to get on stages anywhere you can. You can sit in your room and practice storytelling or singing or songwriting, all those things. But it's not it's not real until you present it. So you need to learn to present it. You need to learn to connect with an audience, whether you're a storyteller or a singer-songwriter. You have to you have to connect with the audience. That's the thing. You have to include them in what you're doing. And the way you learn to do that is there's no substitute for stage time. So get all the stage time you can. Open mics, civic clubs, whatever. Just anywhere you can get in front of people. Church groups, and hone your craft there, you know. Okay. And then the second part is learn to become a professional. Learn to be on time. Learn to be presentable when you get there. Don't be a pain in the butt, you know. Be easy to work with. Learn the business end of it because it's called, whether it's storytelling, professional storytelling, professional music, whatever it is, it's called the entertainment business. And it should be called the business of entertainment because without the business, there's no show. Mm -hmm. So learn the business. Learn um, how to contact people, how to book your own uh, shows. You're not going to get an agent until you can sell out 250 seats a night. And when you can sell out 250 seats a night, you don't need an agent anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be your own agent, you know. Uh, what I recommend to people who are ready to start doing that and ready to start booking gigs is draw a circle around where you live, the radius of which is equal to the amount of time you're willing to drive home after a gig. 
and then find every venue in that in that circle and work them find out how to get there if you have, again if you have to do open mics uh, and of course the internet is when when we started out a hundred years ago there was no internet now you can find out anything you need to know about places that you can perform on the internet mm -hmm. and of course unfortunately so can everybody else who's trying to do it and the the last word I would say the number one word is tenacity you're going to get, it's just like trying to be an author or an actor. You're going to get turned down more than you're going to get accepted. But the more you get accepted, the more you will get accepted. Mm -hmm. And you'll find places that will have you back again. You'll find venues that will, that you fit in, that they'll start calling you, when can you come back? Mm -hmm. And those are the places. Then you're building a following. Uh, very important to take a sign-up sheet to your gigs so that if you if somebody comes up after, be there and available to people after the gig stand around shake hands talk make fans one at a time that's how you do it and have a sheet a sign-up sheet that they can write their name and email address down on mm -hmm. and then you can keep in contact every month send out a little mailer that says where you're going to be maybe a little story about what you've been doing get a youtube channel going they're just social media is critical in any in any endeavor like that now mm -hmm. outstanding great advice and just like what you're doing be on podcasts do podcasts mm -hmm. you know social media that's the trick yeah it really is the wave of the future and the wave of the present yeah, it is a wave of the present you're right even old guys like me you know it's it's crucial mm -hmm. we um, I do Probably 20% of my time is spent on social media. Wow. Yeah. The rest of it is spent in airports and fans. <laughs> <laughs> on the road. Yeah. Um, we kind of covered this with Dylan, but who would you say are your biggest musical influences? Uh, a lot of those are people in the early 60s in the folk movement back then. Bob Dylan and, and all his contemporaries, you know, Buffy St. Marie and Tom Paxton and Phil Oakes and, you know, Peter, Paul and Mary and all those people that were, those are the people, my early influences. Later on, I became a songwriter in Nashville trying to write country music songs. Okay. Where I met people like Guy Clark and, and a lot of the people in what's now known as Americana music. Mm -hmm. That music that sort of isn't anything else, so it must be that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and of course, just the American bag of songs, you know, not just the great American catalog, as they call it, but, you know, any good songwriter, that's, I'm a fan of, you know. Storytelling's the same way, you know. Well, that was my next question. What are your storytelling influences? Well, I think anybody that that does what, that that is referred to as a, what we call a national teller, people that travel nationally and do this, you know, the chairman of the board is Donald Davis, who's been here many times. He helped start this festival, actually. Uh, Donald's, uh, he's just incredibly brilliant and a, an amazing storyteller. And you just, I mean, he's an inspiration to all of us. He works, he, he always says he works 42 festivals a year. I didn't know there were 42 festivals, <laughs> but he he's always out there. and. 
you can learn so much from him. And the great Catherine Tucker Wyndham from Selma, Alabama, was sort of the matriarch of, of professional storytelling for years. She was in it very early on. And uh, she was she was the reason that when I saw her on television, it's when I said, that's what I want to do. When I saw her at the National Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee. This all started what they call the rena renaissance of American storytelling, this sort of thing that started us all on this journey. Uh, the first one was in, the first storytelling festival ever was in 1973 in Jonesboro, Tennessee. And it's still the, the grandfather of them all. It's uh, the biggest festival. It's the first weekend in October every year. And uh, gosh, we're coming up on 50 years of that. Oh, wow. 1973, so coming, you know, before long, it'll be 50 years since people started this. It started out as folk tales. Everyone was telling folk tales initially. And then sometime in the 1990s, people started telling what we call personal stories. Stories sort of that people can relate to. Stories <laughs> about bicycle wrecks and piano lessons and all the things that, you know, everyday life stories from people's own experience mm -hmm. and that sort of took over that's the biggest genre there's still folk tales being told but what you'll hear here this weekend and at most festivals is personal stories people tend to relate more to uh, a bicycle wreck than they do to killing a dragon i suppose so how did you connect with the zelia story festival what's the story behind coming here you know, I couldn't say for sure, Earl. I, uh, my wife has been my manager for 25 years and does all my booking. And I'm sure they must have seen the people here, Joyce, or somebody must have seen me somewhere at another festival and maybe at the National Festival okay. and thought maybe I would be a good fit for them here. Or maybe other storytellers recommended me. I really don't know. I've never... I've never ask and never heard okay but i'm tickled to death that they did i think this may be my fourth time here i was gonna say is this your first year but yeah it's your fourth yeah, year this okay. is my fourth time i think and i you know i have to say this is one of the best storytelling festivals in america it really really is i'm not just saying that because i'm here <laughs> but the people who run it joyce and her staff it's such a well-oiled machine and of course Donald Davis gave them such great advice to begin with. They do their homework, they go to other festivals and scout other tellers. They don't typically hire anyone that they haven't already heard, that they think would be a good fit for them here. Uh, they hire tellers that have been successful here before and every year they have one new teller. By that I mean someone who hasn't been here before. So the audience can count on seeing people that they like and being introduced to someone that, that most likely will like as well. Because again, the staff here is so attuned to what's going on and, so, and they know their audience so well after these many years that they tend to bring back people that the audience is like. So the audience, the audiences here are wonderful. And they're, you know, they know what storytelling is because, again, the festival has been going on for so many years that they know what to expect. 
So it just runs so smoothly and the venues are great. And of course, this year, they always bring in a couple of us early. And this year it's me and my friend Bill Lepp from <laughs> West Virginia. And we'll be doing, you know, we're doing libraries, we're doing uh, civic clubs, and of course, uh, schools. We do a lot of elementary schools all over the county while we're here the first part of the, first part of the week through Friday. And then uh, Saturday, uh, you know, Friday night and Saturday are of course the festival days. So we, it's not just at the auditorium at the college where all this takes place. What a lot of people who come on, on the Friday night and all day on Saturday to the performances maybe aren't aware of is we're here all week out in the community and, and doing, you know, doing the work of telling stories and letting kids know that they have stories too, you know. And it's just a wonderful town to visit as well, you know. It's a pretty part of the world down here. And being an old Southern boy, I don't, <laughs> I don't mind coming here at all. Since you don't mind coming here, what's your favorite story about visiting LaGrange? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> eating at the lemon tree. For, is that the name of it? Uh, there's a, a lemon it, peel, I the believe. Lemon something here. Oh, I can't think of the name of the restaurant. I should be able to plug it. There's the food here is wonderful. Got good barbecue, you know, and and good home cooking here, you know. And for a southern boy, this is it's a great place to come. But I guess my favorite thing, you know, a memory about coming here is the audiences here. So. Mm welcoming and so open and ready to hear stories, you know. Yeah, the people here are outstanding. Yeah, it's a great town. And it's a pretty town. What a pretty square. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of a courthouse like in my little town, we have the old courthouse on the square, but you've got that beautiful fountain and it's just mm -hmm. a gorgeous, a gorgeous town. And the downtown seems real vital. You know, you've got all the Walmarts and all the things that everybody has to have out on you know, here and there and all that stuff out by the interstate. But the downtown is, it really, it really has a presence of its own, you know, it has a, a sense of place. And there's so much history here, you know, so much great old architecture. I mean, it's just a pretty Georgia town, you know. It's what people think of when they think of the, of the South, I think, you know. Okay, now these questions are just for fun. Okay, I like fun. All right. Number one, what are you most excited about right now? What am I most excited about right now? Um, I was in California last year. There's a great vintage guitar store in Tarzana, California called Norman's Rare Guitars. I'm a, I'm a guitar geek. I've, got, I've had hundreds of them over the years, vintage guitars. Buy and sell and trade them. Okay. And so I went to that store and they've got a big internet presence and the guy who owns it, Norman Harris, and a fellow by the name of Joe Bonamassa have started this thing called the All Guitar Network, and I was on the All Guitar Network as a guest, and they asked me would I start my own show, so I'm, that's what I'm doing, I'm in oh. the middle of right now, traveling around the country, I carry all my video stuff with me, and I do interviews, sort of like you're doing, mm -hmm. with uh, guitar traders and guitar players and famous people and not so famous people and storytellers all over America, so getting that show up and running has been a, a lot of fun that's what i'm excited about right now it's called mostly acoustic and it's on all guitar channel i mean excuse me allguitarnetwork.com you can find it there and then i've got a 
program on YouTube and my YouTube channel called Mostly Acoustic as well. So I'm excited about that right now. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, number two. Yep. If you could be a superhero, what yep. power would you have? What power would I have? Oh, goodness. Uh, longevity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, number three, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Oh, early on probably Beatles. Lately more Stones. Okay, fair enough. Uh, favorite food, number four? Barbecue. Okay. Any kind, Texas, North Carolina, Georgia. Say. Brisket, pork, pulled pork, you name it. East or West North Carolina? Oh, East. Okay. Oh, I'm from Western North Carolina. I'm a vinegar guy. Yeah, vinegar based. Yeah, vinegar's yeah, vinegar's yeah. good stuff. All right, favorite beverage? Favorite beverage, water. Really? Yeah, yeah. I drink a lot of water. I'm a big I'm a big fan of good water. You know, I know that's that's probably a pretty bland answer, but it's that's it. Second, coffee. Okay. You a coffee connoisseur or? Can you drink I don't know if I'm a connoisseur, but I've got some. I care. I carry my rig with me. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, last question. Do you have a MacGyver moment? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, if you're a musician, a traveling musician, you're going to have some. You know, uh, probably making a guitar capo out of a pencil and a rubber band when I forgot to bring <laughs> one. I guess you know that's. Yeah, you know, or uh, well, I do have a MacGyver moment that was a, a big flop. Uh, I was playing in a club when, back when I had a band, and my amp went out, and I pulled the fuse out, and the fuse had blown. So I put a chewing gum wrapper around it and stuck it right back in, <laughs> and burned up the entire amplifier. <laughs> so that was my MacGyver moment. <laughs> I can see how I can see how We're the logic would work. <laughs> what is all that smoke? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's my MacGyver moment. Awesome. Uh, is there anything I should have asked you in this interview but didn't? No, I can't think of anything. It's a fun questions and a fun time. Thanks for asking me. All right. So how can our how can my listeners connect with you aside from attending the Azalean Azalean oh, Story Festival? Oh, it's the easiest. Just start at michaelreno.com. M I C H A E L R-E-N-O, just like in Nevada, michaelreno.com. And, of course, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, too. Okay. YouTube, a lot of YouTube. So, yeah. Okay. This is Earl Barnett. This is Michael Reno. Uh, thank you for listening, and, yeah. Hey, LaGrange. Hey, LaGrange. And now, a word from our sponsors. I just want to tell you about a special event that I'm planning to attend. The Junior Service League of LaGrange proudly presents the third annual Taste of the Town Food Festival, benefiting the Safe Families for Children. Bring your family to Overlook Plaza in downtown LaGrange on Saturday, March 28th from 5 to 10 p.m. for a fun-filled evening with live music from Wine on the Rocks, great food from over 20 food vendors, drinks from Seasons, and Wildly Brewery. Admission is free and donations are greatly appreciated. Thanks to the 2020 sponsors. Key of the Grange, Wellstar, Statewide Mortgage, Cole Hosey, Country Financial, Sydney Cook Gold Realty, Interface, and Junior Service League of Red Grange Sustainers. And now back to the show. My mother uh, was one of seven children, and they were all boys except for six. 
She grew up uh, in the mountains of western North Carolina in Buncombe County. You all know where Buncombe County, North Carolina is, you do. Because that's where Asheville is, see, now you know. Uh, my mother didn't grow up in Asheville. She grew up 12 miles from Asheville in a little community called the Milksick Cove. Yeah, the Milksick Cove. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? I asked Mama one time, I said, why in the world do you think they would have named the place the Milksick Cove? And Mama studied on that a minute. She said, well, darling, I don't know. Maybe there were a lot of lactose intolerant people. <laughs> now, the only boy in that family, my Uncle Roy, married a wonderful lady by the name of Eloise Robinson, and this is my ode to my Aunt Eloise. She drinks sweet tea and red wine, still uses her clothesline. She likes poetry that rhymes and old radio. She's got chipped paint and old pipes and a burned out front porch light and a tin roof that just might fall in when it snows. Well, she quits cigarettes but still plays her cassettes and now and then forgets her blood pressure pills. She keeps the shells from cicadas and baked sweet potatoes got two green tomatoes on her windowsill. She gets up with the sun to make breakfast for one. Well, there's an old car on flat tires and chickweeds and sawbriars where once tall sunflowers bloomed in the sun. She grew sweet corn and long rows, loved hanging her old clothes on scarecrows, but God knows those days are done. Stockings and hairpins and memories of young men, she flirted with back when, 80 years gone. Well, they were fiddle tune dancers, slick back romancers. Waiting the answer to who would take her home. Oh, she still hears the band in her head, sitting there on the side of her bed. Red dough and dishpans, work hardened old hands. She misses the old man on cold winter nights. Now she sits there in her chair and brushes her long hair and whispers her night prayer and turns out the light. <laughs> Well, that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you like what you heard, show your support with a $4 donation on www.patreon.com forward slash Hey LaGrange. 
Don't forget to follow on social media and leave us a comment and review on whatever podcast platform you listened on. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else you think will enjoy it as well. Email me your thoughts on today's show at earlgbarnett at gmail.com. Subscribe and like wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment for bonus points. Follow at Earl Barnett on Twitter, at Earl G. Barnett on Instagram. Follow the podcast at Hey LaGrange on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy your week, and remember that creativity takes courage.